नमस्ते सो बेसिकली जस्ट एज वी हैव एज एन इंडिविजुअल अ बॉडी अ लाइफ फोर्स अ माइंड सेल्फ एंड अ सोल दैट इज एग्जैक्टली द सेम वे दैट वी हैव अ बॉडी ऑफ अ नेशन विच वी नो एज द कंट्री then its psychological self its mental self and its spiritual self or the soul but how it is formed before that i think that has already been touched a little bit but i'll like to bring in it in a slightly different way ordinarily we feel that um, you know the body forms first and the soul comes later but in the original plan it is not exactly this way but the nation's souls are there and the physical body is shaped through various kinds of physical forces and if we look at the uh, entire earth itself you know if we regard her as the vision with the vision of a mother mother earth as she is called in the puranas so we begin to see that different continents they have come into aspects and um even subsequent to that the countries they represent something or the other some aspect of the um of the divine being as earth now this image is very interesting because uh, i keep referring to this image very often in different ways you know this image of the purusha or if you want to call it shakti the divine mother and from different aspects of her different forces energies beings uh, godheads have emerged and they have gone into creation and man is created in that image something very similar happens with earth and if we look at the earth from one perspective we'll see that um a, a previous phase of evolution which took place somewhere maybe who knows the arctic areas and still further up the the intellectual aspects and then we see uh, the material aspect and the the psychological aspects emotional and other play, other states and the vital aspects and of course the spiritual aspects so the countries and continents they represent something of each of them represents predominantly something of that now this is uh, first to understand that then the uh, soul aspect comes into play for instance if we look at uh, the entire journey uh, if you look at america for instance we see very clearly that what is prominent is in america what is predominant is america you know is a very um, the working on matter is solid um, aspect of matter material existence which is very strong and prominent and when swami vivekananda uh, mentioned passingly and something very similar shirbinder and the mother have said uh, when people wanted to send uh, you know thought forms and even uh, people to india to teach them about spirituality then swami vivekananda said a little more bluntly he said well spirituality we'll give to you we we need the money and <laughs> give the money so essentially if you look at the america with the abundance of uh, riches and economy so very clearly the land is deeply rooted in matter what we would you know if you take the hierarchy of being we will call it as the muladhar now this is an important aspect of you know creation uh, it, it is that's why america does have a strong impact upon the world play and the world forces simply because it is where 
the root the rootedness lies rootedness of matter so it's it's very important it represents that but if you come to uh, europe it's more it it takes on a different hue altogether so it's primarily vital with emotional aesthetic um, even an intellectual culture if you look at greece if you look at france now it doesn't mean that other places not there but predominantly if you see ancient greece if you see ancient you know Uh, um, even modern france for that matter and many of these countries uh, intellectual subtle uh, aesthetic emotional the sense of um, inner beauty which tends to you know express itself in various forms uh, we see predominantly that taking place in europe if we go down to africa then we see in africa the uh, largely uh, subconscious uh, and uh you know largely a subconscious forces and if that can be tapped and that's why this maybe in the in the future that is going to unfold before us more and more attention will be turned towards it because uh therein there is the another kind of energies which are lying hidden lying in the depths uh, in the darkened state and yet when they emerge they are going to have a strong impact upon life if we turn to asia asiatic cultures are largely intellectual so we have that cycle which is complete uh, going from america where there is rootedness in physical matter uh, entering into europe where we see uh, above the matter these chakras which come in the uh, you know um, the um, strong ambition the emotional aspects the uh, kind of aesthetic aspects and then we come to asia where there is more intellectual culture right from the beginning and among them india specifically we see it represents the deeper heart like the soul of the world so this is how we can uh, pictureize mother earth uh, with the upper arctic and the lower antarctic as the two poles uh, between which all creation moves so uh, when we look at uh, this whole earth in this way then we can see her as one single body of the mother where each nature uh, each nation brings it something very unique and something very specific Uh, for the uh, as part of the world yagna so this is one part of it then secondly we see that uh, this formation of a nature soul uh, of of a nation soul is there much before uh, that actually the body is formed in certain ways so physical body is important shobindo says that the country the way geography forms it because behind the forces of nature the driving element is always a greater consciousness a deeper consciousness so i take this example of india that when we look at india geographically because that's what i'm most conversant with but even with some of these other countries we see very beautifully that india breaks off from africa and joins with asia and thereby it becomes a kind of bridge between these two and when it joins there is the spring of the himalayas even when we look at the physical form so india is almost like a you know one can pictureize a little goddess shobindo spoke of her as devi and uh, you know it contains um, it is like a heart it's like the deeper heart of the whole world one can see there but the formation of india as a spiritual entity came much before the physical entity and the physical entity grew naturally around that so what is this uh, spiritual aspect through which india came into existence and something like that i feel has gone into other countries also when i look at for instance the formation of uh, france and the gauls uh, or uh, the celtic races or if you look at the america 
and the mayas and mayan civilization and then subsequently uh, much later the visions of uh, you know uh, washington dc the more modern founder of america so when we go to a culture or when we look at egypt more subconscious so many of these occult powers occult forces which were part of the Af- african um, Uh, continent specifically the egypt and you know going down it was famous for that and when we look at india the way it was formed was um, in a very deeply spiritual way so it was woven through stories and uh, very spiritually through the story of the legend of sati and i think i mentioned this that uh, you know when sati is the old part of the old creation she is uh, you know the divine mother but assuming a certain body and she wants to join shiva and get married with with him she gets married but they cannot live always happily ever after because shiva is all about freedom and prajapati is all about rules and regulations and i feel this is one of the challenges that at least uh, india is set to resolve the problem between individual freedom and the collective life uh, uh, which every country faces in a way but in in many of the nations it is resolved by the rule of the law but the rule of the law is uh, only a very temporary makeshift arrangement in the indian context it has to be the rule of dharma which takes care of both so the body parts of sati which fall all over india if you really look at it forms actually the map of india in a very spiritual way so uh, and then the various yagyas the various saints sages seers um if you look at the cultural unity which came first much before the national unity took place so what i'm trying to say is that is the soul that drives the impulse towards the rest of the nation formation so if you look at india how it formed so if one wants to understand kashmir to kanyakumari is all about shiva the legend of shiva in kashmir himalaya which is is about kailash and kanyakumari even there are legends i'm resisting the temptation to go into all these stories where uh, shiva must come and join kanyakumari and uh, in their union of course there is bliss but uh, there is a particular asura who has to be killed which is only possible if uh, the union does not take place very fascinating tale and if you look at india from the west to the east is all about krishna so you see <laughs> dwarka and you see manipur so you know it's like krishna between krishna and shiva uh, you form a very interesting the way uh, this is how the nature uh, the nation was formed and uh, the names kept changing you know uh, rama travels all the way up down south right up to sri lanka so there was a vision of this um, undivided india or akhand bharat which was uh, done by the rishis because of, of a very particular kind of special um, work that was to be done in india and that was the yagya for the spiritual evolution and spiritual emancipation of mankind but at the same time each country has its own uh, deeper spiritual cry and it must find ways and means to express itself for instance as i said in america it is uh, you know things must get crystallized at the level of matter that's why if you speak about vedanta just uh, as a philosophical thing it will be very difficult to uh, absorb it but if you give a technique or a method that immediately shows actual you know change uh, that's how the transcendental meditation and many of these methods became very um, well known because they showed 
at the level of physical body there is a change so they got very easily absorbed into the american system whereas in india the reverse is true you know surrender faith all these things come very naturally it doesn't matter how they impact your physical body that is a much it's, it's a much later uh, movement of time that these things come whereas if you look at um, the european part this aesthetic aspect and the more intellectual aspects uh, subtle kind of intellect that is what is accepted first france for instance gave this whole idea of uh, uh, as we know even in modern times freedom equality and uh, fraternity so uh, each nation has its own deeper cry the japan gifted this uh, idea of the um, state or the larger unit being greater than the individual the individual could emulate himself at the altar of the larger unit which was a unity so this idea of self sacrifice through which uh, the nation grows uh, uh, this is there in in japan and of course there is abundance of vital beauty so one can see even in the way the uh, physical nature tends to um, tends to be composed now once again if i see um, india there is something very interesting about india that every possible weather every possible uh, you know mountain deserts uh, ocean beaches everything is represented there dense forests uh, cityscapes and you have a very complex plethora of humanity because india is a complex nation which has formed over years and with an awakened soul it is meant to resolve many of the problems that vex humanity but they can only be resolved on a deeper spiritual basis so now if we look at this world we see it like a yagyavedi a, a vishva yagya which is going on in which each nation must bring its own offering and offer it into this yagna to be purified and as it gets purified it becomes integrated with the larger world consciousness and this is the process which is going on why nation unit is important because very often nowadays we say nation is really not important it doesn't matter because we are living in a larger Uh, international sentiment but we must understand that nation is a step towards that and if we blur this uh, unit then the unity will tend to take the rather primitive forms of empires where one particular nation one particular ideology tends to overrun every everywhere else so nation is the first unit where we are really trained into heterogeneity of human uh, beings you know there are different kind of diverse human beings and diverse cultures different languages in india it's very very india is like a miniature orwell if you look at it from one point of view so there are very different kinds of human beings and yet you have to learn to live find ways and means which uh, we are not allowed any kind of um, suppression of things by the rule of law but a deeper psychic law with which we have to discover the source of human unity so um, in every nation something like this happens so nation unit is the first unit where we need to learn the lesson of unity before we can go towards international unity otherwise if we try to go towards international unity one particular prominent ideology or way of life will tend to overrun all others and the divine wants unity in diversity and not unity of sameness and this is what nations have been trying to experiment cultures have been trying to experiment uh, root races if you look at the root races they again represent the all the seven chakras and they are all trying to in one way or the other experiment with this idea nation is the first unit where we experiment with the idea of the unit 
which is the individual and the many or the society. This is the first unit. And each nation tries to find its own way before it can build into a larger complex unity. So, for example, there are nations which are oriented too much towards individuality, but that individuality is largely the individual freedom of the desired self or the ego self. Do what you like, it's your life. But to f- the, the larger unit is run by the rule of the law. So basically reason comes and organizes the balance between the individual and the society. Every nation tries to do it. Uh, whereas if we take the more uh, communist way of life or the socialistic way, the way it is understood. I'm not talking of true commune and true socialism. So there it is, uh, society is more important. Largely Asiatic societies at one time were there where the society is more important than the individual and the individual has to immolate himself at the altar of society. Then comes a um, different kind of a brotherhood which is largely religious and therein the individual has to follow the norms of a religion. He, He should be more and more conforming to a pattern of uniformity with the rest of the group. Now, this is how nations have been trying to adapt to this plan of unity in diversity because this is the original plan and the first lesson of that one learns is is in a family. In a family, though it is homogeneous, yet there is this challenge of the individual and the family members who have their own way of life. Some follow that extreme step of breaking away, others follow the way of conforming to the uh, larger family norms. Uh, But the real challenge is to find the way that an individual gains from the collectivity and the collectivity is enriched by the individual. So the same problem will come with the nation in its formation that each nation must bring in its best to the world and the world forces must in their own way uh, replenish um, the impoverished parts of every nation and that's why when uh, you know we come back to what Swami Vivekananda said and with regard to uh, America and India, uh, the mother said and Shubhinda said that India is the spiritual guru of the world. What India can give is the wisdom and it must do so. So if we look at India's destiny right from the uh, days of Buddha and subsequently India has been sending uh, you know, that kind of wisdom to the world at large and other nation, each one brings his own asset. As I said, some bring abundance of material nature, some bring a kind of an aesthetic culture and all this kind of acculturation process of mixing and assimilation is taking place. Just as in the case of formation of an individual and individuality, nation units are formed also through these three stages. First, the individuality is very nascent. So there is a kind of free mixing, free interchange, people are moving. If you go back to early stages of humanity when there is no nation unit um, and people are moving through large spaces of land, they settle down and then the next step comes where there is a kind of a thought, culture, a way of life which begins to develop in a certain group of mankind. So basically it's a group of mankind living in a particular geographical space and they develop their own culture, their own thoughts, their own feelings, their way of life, their own philosophy. Shubhita gives that example for instance of Germany. So we see in Germany uh, two things which are so prominent. One is the philosophical side. If you look at the uh, 
the German spirit. And the second is, of course, we know pure music, Beethoven, Wagner. and So, in Germany, these two things uh, were very prominent. And each of the nation now, over a period of evolution, I mean, initially the nation units were very vague. They are there, they are pressing for manifestation. So, all the upheavals that happen are because of that. Now, one of the places which is very strange in terms of nation formation, which has vexed me, uh, and I'm sure it vexes others, is the land of Arabia. If you look at the land of Arabia, actually there is nothing really like uh, a nation unit. So, it it is something very diffuse. So, people have been coming from here, there and everywhere and people going here, there and everywhere. So, this urge for expansion and taking every boundary into its own, it's almost like uh, you know, child who wants to grab every toy and make his own. So, this kind of a diffusion is taking place, has taken place right from the beginning with regard to uh, the Arabian Peninsula. You know, even in its formation, if you look at back at the geography and the formation of the Arabian Peninsula, it was like that. How people came from different places and they went to different places. Another, of course, fascinating thing is about China. And nobody really knows. And sometimes even in the script one can see. So there are scripts which run from right to left, some from left to right. And there are scripts which which move vertically. Like in Chinese, we have these ideographs, symbols, and that is related to the movements of humanity and as they saw the sun moving around. So, in the early stages, this is how nation units were being formed. Then the second part of the formation is like when an individual is being formed, largely shaped by inner forces of which he is not really aware, but he has not really come into conflict with the the other people at large but there are things which are stirring inside like when we are entering into adolescence we have our own thoughts our own feelings we don't know whether you know they are valid or invalid and we have parents and we know their thoughts and feelings which may be very different then a time comes when nations begin to come into conflict with other nations so this is a phase of formation of individuality and that takes place through large spaces of time so we have these empires which are being built and you know um, through these empires the contact takes place and essentially all these empires are ways and means by which the individuality of a nation is being formed. It is trying to search for its soul. Um, that process largely the first part where it tries to search for the soul through the ego self because there are two ways we have to search for the soul. One is the uh, uh, false subjectivism and the second is the true subjectivism. So we see these three levels at which nature forms. First is when people hold on to the land and they say the country is uh, what belongs to me and they are not interested in the culture, thought, music, poetry and art but they stand for the country. That's the root of you know patriotism. So people stand, they will defend their country and it is the land for which they live. But then when humanity begins to awaken, there is another thing it becomes aware of is the psychological aspect of a particular unit. And then they become aware of the thoughts, the feelings, the move, the culture, the ways of life. And there is a kind of uh, nationalism which begins to develop. So this is the next stage of nation building. It's uh, happening now. I think most of the nations are now beginning to discover that, entering into kind of nationalism where they are trying to discover who they really are so first step of nation units as uh, as a physical geographical entity is largely um, i mean there are some free floating places but largely it has been established and the last uh, 
um, attempt of the Asura to demolish it was, of course, the Second World War. Now, there are nations which are still in the process. They are parts which have not been reclaimed, which are part of the larger unit of each nation. So, uh, as you know, we are aware in the Indian context, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Nepal and uh, Myanmar and Lanka, they are part of one single unit. And so there will be tussle, clash, conflict till they ultimately become one unit. Because that is how the national soul will keep driving. There are other countries also where this issue is taking place where nations are yet to form. Sometimes when the land mass is very big, it's a big challenge. For for instance, in Russia, when the land mass is too big, you can't just form a nation. So there were several different places which came together. So wherever land masses are very big, there is a tendency to have these very different provinces which come together. Russia, it's especially challenging. So on one side, there are now different political systems on the other side, there is a common cultural base. It's a different kind of an experiment which is taking place in the uh, you know, uh, Russian and the Ukrainian conflict. Because if you go back to their roots, both come from the Slav community. There was a time when in the larger Russia, the capital was in Kiev. So if you really look at it this way, the conflict is at the deeper level. It's between... Uh, the cultural aspects of Russia, uh, Ukraine, where does it really belong to? Does it belong to this side of, uh, shall I say, um, to the Asiatic side or does it belong to the European side? That's where the conflict is. Uh, NATO and other things come up later on. But what will come out is a different story altogether. But it is still in the process of formation. So in during that phase when nations are discovering themselves, there are conflicts, there are wars, uh, as Shobindo says, men die so that uh, man may live and God be born. So uh, this is the process which is taking place. And during this phase, people begin to identify nation self with, um, with their thought structures, with their culture, with their feelings. For instance, in India, this, there is a very strong movement towards resurgence of who we are. Now, I don't much talk about religious and secular because I feel uh, they are both standing at the level of ignorance because the deeper level is... Pre- when we talk about soul, then we are uh, actually speaking of... Uh, the spiritual aspects of religion and this spirituality takes secular and religious aspect. In some places it takes a more religious view, uh, whereas in other places it takes a secular view. But essentially the spirit tends towards unity. The common aspect of spirit is unity. Now when you try a religious unity or secular unity, both will fail. Because both are attempts in ignorance. It may succeed for some time, but both will fail. So you have to discover the larger spiritual impulse in a nation. And in India, this is the second phase where we see it. Like many of the nations are reborn. For instance, Gauls, there, you know, France in a way started rediscovering itself. Um, the Mayan civilization, not Red Indians, began to rediscover itself when certain people went and inhabited and they had a different, adopted different way of life. Um, many places in Europe, the Greeks, the Roman Empire, So they went through all this tussle, the Roman, there was a time when the Gauls were so much identified with the Roman empires, they became part of that. And then they freed themselves and they are rediscovering French as a people. Uh, England, for instance, there was a whole time when England represented the soul of Europe. (laughs) But uh, in England itself, we see the Irish and the Welsh and Irish, they are trying to discover themselves. They are so different from the 
people which are you know part of uh, part of england so all these are processes which are taking place uh, they are trying to build discover the nation unit at second level and that second level is where we discover the cultural uh, and not just the political but cultural and um, emotive and the cognitive uh, structures which have stood behind the nation now in india it is very evident that throughout the process we see that essentially it is a spiritual thought it has taken a variety of shapes and use but it is essentially a spiritual thought that has been the governing aspect of the indian nation so it always stands behind and tends to reassert and rediscover itself and then when this has happened this is a process not yet complete so we are uh, you see why this topic is difficult because we are still in the process of formation we still understand largely a nation as only a physical body we don't understand that it has a subjective body which is real and living in fact more real and living than the physical body so when people begin to discover and identify with that then nationalism is born they don't live only for the physical body they live for the sake of the thoughts ideologies the cultural aspects of a particular nation and they want to preserve it because it's the uh, balustrade the stronghold through which they will climb and discover the soul as to the discovery of the soul of a nation i think it's still quite uh, some time away it's rather premature there have been attempts to discover it like in france during the french revolution or in india 1905 was a period when many countries were trying to rediscover their soul now once again that same process is happening because uh, the evolution of a nation's soul its discovery takes place through very large spaces of time but nevertheless it is not just important it is indispensable to discover it and that's why in oroville mother had a pavilion for every nation because until we discover the national soul we cannot talk about human unity all this talk about human unity in suddenly you know democratizing a whole mass of mankind through that process is all premature it will collapse that's what we are trying to you know because again it's one way of asserting life uh, for instance in india there were kings whereas in in uh, there was a democracy which ran parallel in a different way there was socialism also but it had a different basis altogether whereas we see the more of modern europe and greece and athens and many other these these places where democracy was prominent now you can't hold this single way over all the countries in all the world that's not how it will be it, it cannot be like that each country must discover its own unique way of life its own unique system for example with regard to india mother said something very interesting she said that uh, india is the only country where the psychic law can and must become prominent it must govern the nation now what really is the psychic law it is dharma if you go back to the indian context what was the rule of the land the rule of the land is not just a raja suddenly some edicts some way of living he gave do's and don'ts and punished by law this was not the way it was dharma which was prominent so things were seen through the balance of dharma this was the indian way of life and it should be brought out it cannot follow the rules of um, another civilizational process which are valid it's not that you know one has to have one way of life that is equally valid but this must discover its own way for instance shubindu spoke about the parliamentary system of democracy which is destined to fail 
in the Indian context, especially cautioned about it. One can see that it is not working out. It's destined to fail. He even saw how democracy, is, there is a whole vision of the mother where she sees Shavindo playing with a very old, worn out ball. And um, <laughs> Shavindo says to her that I want another one. Get me a new one. And she says that ball is democracy. It has outlived its purpose. Dictatorship has outlived its purpose uh, equally. So what is going to really come? What will come is ultimately the way originally the divine governs. There is, you know, we can use the word oligarchy. In Russia, we had oligarchy. And now we see that the oligarchs are all <laughs> suddenly, it is the oligarchs which are, uh, which are bearing the brunt of the Russia-Ukraine war. So all of them are going to come into in a very new way. So there is one person who is like a king and then there are uh, more like a presidential system. Uh, that way, the American system in a certain sense is uh, more aligned with the deeper truth of things. But this is how each nation must solve the problem of unity in their own unique way. It cannot be just one way. And depending on how they solve it, they will come to the world and bring something of that there. So this is why we see in Auroville different nations each bringing their own understanding about life, their own way of life. And, um, you know, offering it as plausible solutions or plausible way. For instance, you see the recent conflict in Auroville. If you ask most of the Indian-based people, so they will say, you know, if mother has said her word is final, we should just follow that. Why? Because uh, from the Dharmic point of view, that is the way of life. That, you know, what the Guru says, that is the Dharma that the disciples must adopt. But if you look at it from another side of the globe, so it's no, we must democratically decide what should, uh, what should happen. Because ultimately it is everybody's consensus, which is very difficult if we try to do that process. So humanity is going through all this churning. And through all this churning, ultimately, each nation will become, uh, di discover its own way of resolving the problem of the individual and the society. This is the big challenge. And this is the first experiment when it happens, when the nation unit is established, then we can enter into a larger sense of internationalism. Before that, we will make premature attempts. We had the UNO, for instance. We had rather League of Nations, then UNO. Uh, but we know that unless nations are grounded in their soul, as long as they are living in a false sense of subjectivism or the strong national ego, it won't work out. Yet, there are steps which humanity takes. They will collapse and new ways of orienting will come. So, because nations have to discover their soul, we see that now there is a wave of nationalism because this is a second step. You can't realize human unity without that. So, all nations, there is a strong turn towards nationalism, towards discovering who they are and hopefully we are chastened by the experience of the world uh, or the last few centuries that well this nation's soul is not the vital ego that's what happened with germany it was trying to discover its national soul but ended up discovering a national ego so there was a very kind of almost a pride that you know we are um, someone very special and you know of course we know the diabolic nature of uh, what happened but basically it was trying to discover its soul and suddenly everything was derailed that beautiful music and beautiful uh, you know, uh, philosophy, all of them, everything was stalled. And instead what it discovered was a vital ego. The Asura and Rakshasa, it is 
the danger which meets every individual in the path of his self discovery the nations will go through that so what is the danger the danger is when a person begins the self discovery life is very simple so the early life of nations is very easy all is good all is wonderful all is hunky dory but then an individual begins to discover and as he enters into the deeper aspects of its own being it may mistake the vital for its soul it may mistake the ego for the soul and that's where the challenge lies so india is going through this process some of the nations have started this process and it's happening because of you know uh, as i said there are in every in every game there is somebody who plays the spoil sport and this spoil sport is actually meant to make the game more and more perfect so uh, i mean <laughs> sorry to say but i think in modern times the spoil sport is being played by isis and the terrorism so what is doing it is challenging every way you speak about equal rights and everything and you know he comes and plays the spoil sport so now you have to find a new way a better way a more beautiful way you can't regress back to that level so uh, that better way will be when we understand how human beings are caught up in a net of ignorance and they can be you know uh, recurred from shubhendra spoken about all this about the future sociology way too much in the future he speaks about the spiritualized society and it will begin to emerge when human beings realize that uh, not only they are not just the body and the ego self and uh, instead of focusing only on that Uh, we focus on the spiritual self development and then there will be a new sociology where we don't uh, treat people as either saints or criminals or units of social problems but as uh, souls that are either trapped in ignorance or souls that are relatively free from the bound of ignorance so we have to begin to educate reform and transform so that's how social transformation will take place so as if we don't do that so say for instance now the challenges that many of the nations are facing as i said isis is playing a spoil sport it's a bad uh, role to play the role of the villain in the piece but villains have their own role so how do you deal with this villain so one way is that you hit out and hit back now people are trying that it doesn't work out actually it's it's very temporarily and you have to do it as a temporary measure the second is help the individual discover who you truly are so in the context of islam i would say that you know leave aside the political ideological aspect and help people discover that what is the truth of your own being it's very difficult but that is the path that humanity will take but other is that you blindly accept and subject everybody to a common code common code is necessary in a nation building that part is very clear that unless we have a common code uh, a, an organization so first is of course the physical body then you have to have an organization and the organization can only work through a common code that has been effectuated in uh, some of the western countries uh, in india it is not uh, of course everybody has their own uh, dhapli and everybody has their own music to play but you have to have a common code and then after having a common code you have to allow in this common code should be wide and supple and plastic to allow for the growth of individuals and the individual group life towards their true self now that is a process in the indian uh, context i have been watching it very closely and i can see how it is emerging so on one side there is a greater and greater understanding that there is a very dark side in the islamic context which has to go which must go on the other side there is a group of maybe a small group who are beginning to 
say that this is not what we are this is not how and who we are and when humanity or the human groups begin to reject this false identity then we will see that a larger a greater and deeper unity will emerge it is bound to happen it happened unfortunately as the mother said through the power of crashing circumstances so all these crashes are taking place now the world is so complexly interdependent now that you know nobody can be in isolation but it is important for a nation to develop a legitimate pride uh, within its own cultural and uh, its own inner life so if it doesn't then there is no formation of a nation so in india for example we are overrun by colonial rule and the islamic invasions etc so we had forgotten who we are so shivindo started by reminding us who we are and the spirit of that and this is what we see happening in india so each country will bring its own unique contribution and that contribution will be for all the world i mean that's how this i mean at a most material level we see it Uh, and that's why everything happening at one place impacts everyone so this is a very complex process which is taking place it's very evident in japan it's very evident in india um to an extent in russia america france england europe they are trying to rediscover and redefine itself the two spoils sports if i may say so uh, one is of course the isis and the second is the chinese but chinese because way back it's a great civilization like any other asiatic culture it has high intellectual at some point a very great intellectual upsurge was there that's why but what was missing there was the deeper heart so perhaps that's why the proximity to india was meant for bringing in that deeper heart like in america we see the process of mixture with the you know african continent and how it brought in that deeper heart and activated it but uh, perhaps that's what was meant originally hindi chini bhai bhai but it turned into bhai bhai because again the um, artificial kind of nature but they would benefit there is no doubt about it if the contact could really take place at a deeper level it would benefit but not right now right now it's just playing a spoil sport so again what is the solution of all this now china is still trying to redefine its boundaries meaning thereby it's still in the most elementary state of uh, nation formation where you are not yet sure what the country is so these boundaries are defined as i said geographically you can't start transgressing it you can't start you know going and claiming places which are across the let's say the himalayan barrier or the uh, ocean and start claiming but it is trying to do that it is only when it begins to rediscover its own larger cultural aspects its intellectual aspect that it will become a helpful contributor to the world so the point is we are speaking of a subject which is way to into the future let the nations discover their own soul each in its own way before we can talk about their coming together in internationalism that experiment has been initiated in oroville which means it is bound to happen but still into the future why this is important is because the focus of each nation right now should be to turn back upon itself explore its own culture its own ethos its own intellectual tendencies and go deeper and deeper into it unearth it uh, sublimate it refine it and that is given to each one who you know those who are living in a particular nation 
or belong to a certain country so this was you know when mother was asked how can i help india she said discover your soul and then unite it with the soul of india and that is the way you can discover uh, what india is and you can help it so this is the process and each nation must do that uh, in their own way uh, even with america it has gone all out you know trying to go far and wide with the idea of liberty and so this doesn't work this way you have to first go within yourself and discover and how how to discover it the the individuals which comprise a nation have to do it so all the human beings are like the little cells of a nation unit so how individuals will do it when there is a larger atmosphere within a country to do that to discover it if we take a illegitimate pride in or even a legitimate pride in let's say material power then we are only aggrandizing the asuric elements but if you say well we are we have been given abundance i think that's what the first vision of washington meant i mean it meant that well you are being given materially abundant there is so much of material abundance but how we really use it it's a blessing he said you you must live for god and we know that he was himself a man of god he used to pray and that's how he used he got these visions that well you must live for god and when you live for god is not living for a particular religion but when you live to manifest the divine will in creation you have been given this abundance which should be used for uh, the manifesting the will of the divine in this world so this is how this process is going on and i would rather like to have questions than continue with it but it's a very fascinating process to those who want to watch the world play and the forces that govern it uh, right from the ancient races how they moved how the nations uh, changed their boundaries drifted and then through the political processes through empire buildings through contact of cultures and now we are entering into that phase where just like individuals are in the phase of discovering the soul so this experiment upon earth has entered into a very critical phase so that's why we see now there is so much stress on individualities whether in the west or the east this is largely a maybe 100 200 years old phenomena or maybe 100 years old where there is this need to discover your own individuality in the west a rational order of society was overthrown and uh, we see something happening in india also so just as we have entered that phase where individuals want to discover who they are we see that nations also trying to discover who they are and this is the next phase of evolution the third will be where we'll discover ourselves as spiritual being and each nation will discover its soul and then we will see the fulfillment of the grand divine plan of unity in diversity so this is evolution three step process we are in phase 2 and we must focus on that rather than rush to phase 3 because uh, prematurely when we try to attempt something like empires were ways to create world unity we will end up probably messing up the work of course nature will help us and guide us and this is the divine pressure pushing towards that so this is the phase when each individual must discover his own spiritual individuality and each nation must discover its own true soul rather than try to extend because this is not the age for that that age is over so any country which is trying to do that people are often worried about second you know third world war it won't nature won't support it 
because that age when nations could uh, nations were not yet formed people could form world empires is over that age is gone nature will see to it it's not possible there are various means and mechanism we need not discuss that now is the time to for each one to discover their own soul nationally and individually so this is the basic background any particular questions i'll be happy to take them thank you thank you alok very much for this very beautiful and insightful presentation and especially your conclusions were very um, pertinent and meaningful we have several um, with us panelists with us anu we have vivek we had just a minute ago uh, baso was through the whole presentation i would invite them also to to speak to ask the questions to generate the discussion on this profound and very interesting topic and uh, maybe uh, i will say a small part of from my side that uh, shubindra description of the how nations were formed and became aware of themselves he describes this in the human cycle that they first build the empires so to say they go over their boundaries so where you know over the borders seeking for themselves and then falling back to their own you know borders where they belong where then lands belong where their nations were formed over thousands of years it's a long period to form the nation on the land so land plays a special role and you can see all these big empires from every country from british empire which was taking the whole world and fell back to their own island or any one of them Par- uh, the frenchies germans tried f- few times with the second world war to extend and fell back to their borders all the empires scrambled down to their own national and then they don't need any more wars they are becoming self aware and you can see in the, in the european union there is no need in the border between germany and france nobody will overtake nobody because they are already they formed their awareness uh, which is respected by both and this is something new it's a new situation where borders are not needed uh, and of course some countries try to maintain their empires you know the russian empire it's an empire crumbling down and uh, it will be quite painful for others but uh, it will find itself finally nationally russia is looking for this russian republic or russian spirit or russian country it's not that huge land with 22 republics and none of them is russian you know so those republics have to live they have to also become aware of themselves it's a necessity which you've been so beautifully describes and then only that human unity will become possible as the third step of vishnu shobindo beautifully also says three steps first is first step of vishnu is family awareness within the family the second step nation bigger entity where we are training ourselves to have these soul relations brotherhood relations and finally the human unity becomes possible so i am very inspired with these talks uh, yours and uh, basso's uh, unfortunately basso has left 
I wanted his reflection upon your talk, but if Arno would like to say, or Vivek, or Radhe, please do, before we go into the questions and answers. Yes, Arno, you have to unmute yourself first. It's in the corner, in the left uh, lower corner. You have to click. Uh -huh. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to hear you. Hello. Um, so, and I was actually listening to you from the point of view of the next uh, chapter of this uh, session that you have created, Natimir and Radhe. Um, what you said at one point is that, you know, and, and this whole question of the nation soul, because that is something which is something we, we will look at also with Oroville's international zone. So when you say, you know, we looked for the nation soul and found the nation national ego, and that is also one of the, where a large part of the world got stuck. Uh, also, Vladimir, what you just said about this whole thing about the great states and the great nations and everything, perhaps what we're going through right now is a whole reorganization of the world. And, and I wonder, Aloka, if you would speak a little bit about that through what you're saying. It, it really seems where we are right now. You mean where we are as a group life uh, within a nation, right? No, as as the, as the way the world seems to be in so such a place of, uh, let's say, um, conflict yeah. and being yeah. out of balance, so true, many true, true. Uh, yeah. divisions yeah. right now, as though it is trying to reorganize yeah. so, itself. Absolutely true. That's you know, yeah, through yeah. the soul. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I look at all these uh, disruptive forces which operate in. Uh, basically, there are two kinds of forces which operate, and they are very active. Uh, you know now. One is the forces of a new creation and new constructions. And the other is forces of destruction. So I look at all these disruptive forces as elements which uh, basically are there to make the construction more and more perfect. So it's like you try to do something and it is taken a route and they come and disrupt it. So eventually, of course, uh, it makes us to reflect, makes us... You know, everybody reflect in one way or the other. And though momentarily it looks like the disruptive forces have uh, won over because, you know, it's so easy to uh, demolish something which was being constructed. I mean, how beautiful if humanity could grow without that. <laughs> That's, of course, an ideal situation where we could just respond with plasticity to the divine will. But it doesn't. So disruptive forces come in and they seem to win because they... Uh, demolish a building but ultimately the forces of new creation are bound to take over because they are sh taking shape within the heart of humanity you can you know disrupt an outer process but how do you disrupt an inner process so there are human beings who are evolving through everything they are rediscovering themselves discovering new ways new methods to through the challenges that these forces pose and eventually it'll figure out now what that process is one can uh, for instance as i said that uh, uh, well, even in the Auroville context, uh, you know, uh, people have often asked. I said, you should, uh, it's not about individual systems, ideologies, etc. But it's about the uh, psychic law, the, the dharma aspect which should be taken. Dharma not as a religion, but as the way of life which is more consistent with the spiritual uh, way of looking at things. That's how it should be. Now, if we look at things from a purely mental point of view, then we will not find an answer because, uh, well, 
the mind cannot provide an answer. This is what Mother and Shubhendra have been telling us. But then humanity will do that. That is the unfortunate part till it ultimately exhausts all its mental tendencies and falls back or climbs higher towards its higher spiritual vision. So I see all these confusions as inevitable process because the old world, the mental world, if I may say so, is asserting itself, holding on to itself, its own way. I see this happening in, even in Europe. When you start, you know, indiscriminately, all kinds of people enter. Now, how do you handle that? Because, you know, it creates another kind of crisis where, you know, there are people who are not aligned to a common, you know, way of life. As, you know, Vladimir was pointing out that Europe discovered many beautiful things. But still the integration of the individual with a very heterogeneous society has not taken place. Now, when that happens, how do you meet that challenge? The people who are completely not at all, not only not aligned, they are going to overrun the entire cultural and, uh, you know, if I may say so, the spiritual ethos. So, how do you handle that? This is a challenge which UK is facing, France is facing, many of the you know uh, European countries are facing, India has been facing this since long, Auroville is facing. So, old ways of life, uh, mental ways of understanding and solving a problem, that is gone. This part is very clear at least to me, uh, but uh, people have to discover it in their own way. For instance, I gave this example of a democratic system. It does, just doesn't work. How do you make, uh, it's basically, you know, uh, even common sense, how do you make 100 people, all of them agree to one standpoint? So it doesn't work out. So you have to have a common central point. That common central point has to be divine or the spirit in which alone you can unite. Uh, other than that, now, but this cannot be forced upon people. That is the biggest problem. So I suppose the solution lies in awakening mankind first through education, through, you know, all this, uh, you know, uh, seminars, conferences to this deeper spiritual self. And I think this is the phase where we should focus right now. You know, not only that one point said something very interesting when conflict between Auroville, Ashram, society, all this was going on. Uh, not really with Ashram, but society. And he was asked that, you know, uh, why not, you know, bring together? He said, no, for some time it is important that each grows in their own way. When we evolve into towards the Gnostic being, the unity will come together by itself. So I suppose the stress in every group should be to discover their own spiritual basis of existence, do it through education, through seminars, whatever means are available through us, through collective readings, satsang is one of the best ways. That has been missing. That is the cause of a lot of confusion. Because that jnana aspect through which we need to relate with the world, that is missing. I have seen this in all the groups. People come. They presume that because they have physically joined a group, therefore they are aware of what the group life stands for. It's not so at all. So now this all this is happening to remind us that karma has a meaning when there is jnana, you know, standing behind and there is love which is motivating and impelling it. So these three must come together. One is love and that love cannot be born where there is self-interest. So love can only be born when there is love for the deeper vision, the higher truth that is manifesting. And it cannot uh, manifest just by blind karma. If there is no jnana behind it, why we are doing what we are doing, things will end up in chaos. So it's a reminder of our imperfection, that's all. <laughs> that's how I look at it. It's a process which is going on much more intense than earlier. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if somebody else would like to say, um, Radhe or Vivek, 
एक मिनट origin so what is called a semitic unfortunately you know if the story of sham and uh, who was the, that person who came towards asia so it's very interesting and the third son who went to africa it's very interesting story but basically uh, three sons of noah so when i look at that i i feel at least this my feeling that uh, the land of arabia uh, is is not even clear about you know what it is really seeking and what it it has taken many elements from the uh, entire semitic culture which was already existing i mean again i know this term is more or less dated but from the desert area the jews the israel and you know all that land and it has not really found anything of itself so uh, it is a place which has been right from beginning it's like a disruptive force which has acted <laughs> sorry to say that but if i look at the entire history of uh, islam uh, of course when you disrupt you assimilate new things beautiful things uh, you have your own beautiful creations it is a place which is yet to discover uh, who they are as a people i think the attempt was made by uh, when they touched kashmir and you know sufism was born as a result of contact uh, between islam and indian thought so sufism was something very beautiful it could give a very new color and temperament to the arabic people and that would have been very beautiful because at heart they are very nice i mean my interaction with individually with them has been very nice uh, the arabic origin people i'm not talking of muslims right now so it's very beautiful very emotional very passionate in nature um, unlike the jews who are very intellectual but perhaps because of the extreme passionate nature they have not been able to discover who they are and that's why there is so much of disruption now this is how i see uh them uh, about the chinese mother has said number of things and i don't want to repeat that uh, but i do feel that there is a kind of strange insensitivity about the world at large it's like a, a country which is lost within itself but then because of their beautiful past uh, they will have to once again get back to that trail of laotse and other at this point it doesn't seem um to me at least uh, in at least in the near future 
anything in that direction. But it, if it doesn't, it has lost the way. I mean, frankly, such a wonderful way. If you look at uh, the old Chinese culture, you know, um, when they were, maybe the invasion by the Mongols that completely took them off the grid. So yeah, from the museums, there are a couple yes. of them. Um, the China, the Chinese were trying to kind of you know make it uniformal, so to say. The many many yeah. nations within China were destroyed, languages, cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah and absolutely. They made true. it uniformal, and now they kind of succeeded. This question whether uniformal becomes at the end real is the question yes uh shubinda has his yeah, and very dangerous very dangerous very dangerous, very dangerous. shubinda has his kind of a hint in the human cycle about this he says if very long time this uniformity is imposed on the nations of different cultures it may create over time the psychological oneness psychological affinity psychological yeah. way of understanding each other and that could become the ground for the emergence of a new formation yeah uh, i i particularly feel it's more like a herd unity where people are uh, you know joined by a kind of uh, common way of life common dangers common threats or perceived threats uh, but i think there is a movement taking place within chinese context and i feel this is my very intuitive sense and maybe over the years uh, it will manifest. It is beginning to implode inside because nature will not allow this kind of, as you said, stability in uniformity. Uh, and uh, it is imploding and when it implodes, there will be a chance for it to really restructure itself. I have a feeling it will happen. I don't know when. Maybe the point is <laughs> nearer than what we expect. But it is important and necessary for the world. So it's a kind. What, what do you think about uh, United States? What is this experiment? Of it, is, it is. It is. <laughs> it is to keep us very well grounded. It's the experiment at awakening the spiritual consciousness in matter. If you want to put in, uh, that's a country which I can. I think with a certain degree of familiarity because of my visits, I can say it's a grounding of spirit in matter. Something very beautiful. Something very important, but. At the same time, it runs the risk of, again, at some point, even standardizing spirituality uh, into a, you know, uh, certain forms. Uh, so that's how I look at United States. It has to provide the material basis for the spiritual evolution. But so far, uh, as the mother said, it has uh, often gone because that's how, see, matter is under the strong grip of the inconscient. So, it easily lends itself to the asuric, uh, you know, forms, <laughs> and you know, gives the money to for all the wrong causes. But I, I don't see it as something which is um, long in the coming. I feel with the kind of work and energy, spiritual energies that have poured into America, and it has taken it, absorbed it. Uh, I have a feeling that it, it is, uh, it is awakening. It is waking up to its own deeper truth, to its, you know, fact of. It is like the earthing, grounding spirituality in matter in one word. That's how I look at it. And once it gets it, because uh, just like with anything, when the body learns, it learns it fully. So I have this feeling that once it gets grounded in the American uh, and doesn't drift into all kinds of fashionable forms that the vital tends to take, then it will be a beautiful asset for the world. And I think that's the process which is going on. And quite 
reasonably well leaving aside yeah, yeah. yeah. well these are fascinating topics uh, there is one more question about comments yeah. on canada if you can make um quite quite complex question we have a nascent focus yeah. on multiculturalism with high levels of immigration two sentences of indian culture yeah. brampton uh, outside toronto and vancouver uh, both an attraction yes. to the material success of the usa and uh, resistance to its uh, excesses Hmm. Well, um, uh, I don't have a very direct contact with the Canadian people, but I, from whatever I have read about the Canadian culture, some of the stories that I have read, uh, I have the impression of a group of humanity which is really speaking like you know humanity which is flush with a kind of simple way of looking at life but a beautiful way of looking at life so uh, that kind of inherent complexity which is beginning to now enter canada uh, because of its simplicity like all are welcome all can come and you know multiculturalism as you said but it has not developed complex inner thought structures to handle it this is what it is going through um and i'm sure it it's you know it will be able to handle but that's the process a group of like many of these people coming from the colder places with you know russia for example or sweden you know switzerland uh, norway to an extent i mean i'm not talking of the norse gods and others but a very simple way of looking at life which is um, consistent with the origin you know when you look at wide expanses of snow so what happens see that's how you know how your geography influences you have a religion and a group of humanity developing in a desert land it has a way of looking at life which is like a monotone uniform cut away music cut away this that everything uh, when you have life thriving in forest and multi variety of land like in india you have you know rang barse ras barse you know everything Uh, krishna with plumes and you know you have a variety in every aspect of life god is entered and you have mountain areas where life is relatively simple and you know there is that snowy summits and there are time to time that changes which take place um, so uh, it's like people who develop that kind of attitude within life that you know let things come they will thaw out with period of time um but you ha- but in the present state of the world you need to have very complex uh, intellectual systems unless you develop a psychic simplicity that is not there it is the simplicity of a humanity which is like you know you see no evil you don't know evil and so you you bring in a whole lot of humanity but evil comes through that door and uh, then you have to develop ways and means that's what is happening that's why many of the statements made by the uh canadian prime minister for example they they appeal to a certain sense but then the challenges are begin to show up how do you deal with it either you develop or discover the psychic simplicity or you develop the intellectual complexity to deal with these things and i think it will take that second route to develop psychic simplicity it could maybe its proximity to the northern pole could have happened i don't know i don't think that's happening right now uh lot of indians have gone it's 
there's a real danger by the way of the whole country being <laughs> taken over by subvertive forces and uh, one has to be very careful uh, back in india we feel the repercussions of that yeah i mean it's good intention i do appreciate you know, it's yeah there is an interesting uh, mentioning by the mother that uh, Um, for the total intellectual development, uh, the two languages are very useful, English and French together. Yeah. And she mentions this. And that's why they yeah. taught French and English in uh, yeah. the uh, yeah. absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. So Canada is that, that kind of combination of both, in a way, and has um, an advantage in some way development. So the country is huge in, in the land and culture and uh, climate, and still they are very highly developed and very democratic in a way. Interesting. There is some interesting things yeah, happening in Canada. Yeah. It's my just. Uh, there is another question which is very, very interesting. Do you foresee one world government occurring? in a positive way with a view towards spiritual values or will there likely be a darker control oriented one world government first okay so this part is very clear one world government at this stage will be a disaster and you know shivendra spoke about it in the formation of world state because if you have you know these forces of checks and balances are required in the present state so one world government uh, is a very 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 far off into the future uh, because there is a real risk it won't be one state which you know or one head of a country nation which governs it it has to be then a confederation larger confederation confederation of the world wherein maybe you know some of these countries come together Uh, not because of their economic uh, rating and other things but they come together and that's the ultimate you know vision of uh, national souls coming together to form a world unity there would be certain uh, countries which will take the lead so it will be a confederation of um, nations which come together and form a world government it's way off into the future right now it will it will be very risky and dangerous at some point yes not right now it will be like a confederation of nations which come together not all of them but some of them which are like representative and they must come together for the good of yeah we we see this clearly in eu yes uh, formation of eu how they try to manage common yeah. sense interaction being yeah. free at the same time and when once it was too much uh, of the centralized uh, kind of imposition then the the brexit took place and england had to leave because it was yes, too much that's imposed right. that's right mm-hmm. yeah it's a good example for this uh, danger of centralized yeah eu eu is a eu is a good example of this yeah right there is one more question is there a tipping point of change of consciousness where the collective conscious evolution at a global level will get adequately aligned and take off some tipping well point. of course there will be a tipping yeah, yeah yeah there will be a tipping point and i think we are fast moving towards that 
Yes, certainly there will be a tipping point. So tipping point will come essentially if more and more individuals globally in different, you know, that um, that message of the mother that the, uh, the new world is born in all countries, there are men who feel it, who know it, at least feel it. It is to them we call, will you collaborate? And that future of the earth depends upon a change of consciousness and the change is bound to come. Now this tipping point is an inner tipping point. And it is not by the number of individuals who are outwardly professing a spiritual awakening. But this tipping point is coming fast because despite all this, regardless of all this, behind the scenes a larger uh, sense of spiritual uh, consciousness is developing in the world. It is happening unseen like the baby Krishna in the uh, ramparts of Kansa's prison. So it is happening unseen. But it is happening. And that's why we see time to time the cry for world unity, the cry for peace, all this is happening because of that. But when that tipping point will take place, we do not know. Maybe humanity, because of this intense pressure of contrary circumstances, crashing circumstances, will only hasten towards it. So I only hope it is sooner and (laughs) maybe 50 years it's not too far away. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far. That point comes, then rest will be an easy process. Thank you. Thank you so much. We, we are taking too much time of yours and you. It's quite late in India already. So sorry to kind of extend. <laughs> no, no, it's a joy. It's yeah, a joy to, no, to no, listen joy. to these, uh, to these uh, topics and yeah. especially your views, which are very intuitive and very insightful. There's much to think about. So we are very happy for everybody to join us today. And um, thank, thank you, to... uh, oh, very much. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. And I'll have to say, this is you know we did our announcements early because we normally people start dropping off after an hour. This is the first time we haven't lost a single person. They have stayed tuned with you, and uh, we even had to unfortunately let a couple questions go because it is getting late for you there in India. But we so much appreciate it, and I just wanted to mention. Thank you.